We're also going to have Jordan Hines here to share the Word of God with us, so I'm going to ask him to come up. Oh, we do have a special music. I forgot that. Yes. Good morning. Great singing this morning. I can tell there's joy in the house of the Lord today and that we are here to rejoice together because of our united faith, because of our our oneness in Christ. Uh, As we jump in today, we are in the the second part of a five-part series in the book of Philemon. The book of Philemon is a little one-page letter between Titus and Hebrews. So 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus, Philemon... Hebrews is the next book. It's between Titus and Hebrews. 
And last week we looked at an introductory view, a 10,000-foot view of the themes and the people and, the, and, and what's going on in the book. And we saw that, that Paul wanted Onesimus, a runaway slave, to be reconciled back to Philemon, who is a, a rich slave owner. And they wanted him to do this. Why? Because of who they are in Christ. And it involved a church. It involves the people in this church. We saw the context for the book. We saw who was sending the letter. We saw the, the Apostle Paul here who proclaimed himself as a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And we saw that it was to a, a man named Philemon, his family, and to his church. And this simple message was given to them, grace and peace from God the Father, and Jesus Christ. And that message of peace and grace was something, it was twofold. It was God is giving you this grace and peace, but also you are to give this grace and peace to others. Allow me just to refresh our memory and move forward here. We're going to be reading the first seven verses uh, this morning. Beginning in Philemon verse 1, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and, ch- and the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 4, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. God, we come before you as a people in great need of this prayer. As Paul prays, for Philemon to have an effective ministry, I pray that, you, that this church would have an effective ministry. And not because of what we can do, but because of what you can do through us. And what you can do through each and every individual person here in this room. Help us to quiet our hearts, to ponder our responsibility in this. Help us to think through and help us to allow the Holy Spirit to change us as we understand your word. I pray this in your son's name. Amen. Some years ago, a young girl was very sick and was not expected to recover. Because of her love for Jesus, she was troubled that, the, uh, she, was troubled that she was not able to do more for Christ in her short life. Her pastor suggested that she make a list of people in her little town who needed Christ and pray that they might put their faith in him. And she took his advice. She made a list and often prayed for those people, for each and, ed- each and every one of them. Now, sometime later, God began to stir a revival in this village. The girl heard the people, that people were coming to Christ, and prayed even more for those people. As she heard reports, she checked off the names off the list that she had been praying for as they were led to the Lord. Now, after the girl died, a prayer list was found underneath her pillow. It was 56 names long. All, the, all of those people, all 56 people, had put their faith in Jesus Christ. Such is the power of definite, specific, fervent prayer. Do you have a prayer list? 
The woman, or the, the young girl in this illustration, had a specific, fervent prayer for people. We're going to look at a letter here today. These three verses, these verses tell us what Paul was praying for Philemon. And it's a very fervent prayer that he would have an effective gospel ministry. We need to have specific, fervent prayers for each other and for ourselves. We cannot just look at this passage and think, this other person across the room needs this, or my coworker needs this. This is not for your neighbor. This is for you also. Today we're going to see in verse 4 a pattern of prayer, and then verse 5 a spark of prayer, and then Paul's prayer in verse 6 and 7. So walk with me through the pattern here that Paul establishes in verse 4. The text says, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers. So immediately as you look at this verse, you think, There's a theme that pops out. That theme would be thankfulness. Paul is very thankful. It is to express gratitude or show appreciation for someone. It's it's something we understand very clearly. I'm thankful for a lot of things. And you're thankful for a lot of things. Paul has expressed this many times throughout Scripture and throughout uh, the epistles that he's written. Uh, A couple of them are listed on your screen, hopefully there. In Romans chapter 1, verse 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because of your faith, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 2 through 3, he says, We give thanks to God always for you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before Remembering, you, remembering before our God and Father your works of faith and your labor of love and steadfastness of hope and in our Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 says, I thank my God in all, I thank my God in all my remembrances of you. Colossians chapter 1, verse 3 says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and of the love that you have for all the saints. And finally, in Philemon, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers. Paul here has a long prayer list. I don't know how long your prayer list is, but Paul must have had quite the prayer list. Uh, Curtis Hudson, of great preaching on Thanksgiving, noted that uh, Paul must have planted at least 20 churches in his New Testament ministry. 20 churches. Each one of these churches would have likely had a pastor, deacons, congregation members, people who just interacted with the church, visited the church, house churches that were smaller churches but were more dispersed. All these people, Paul is remembering in his prayers. Paul is very specifically remembering these people I think that if we were to look at Paul's prayer list compared to our prayer list, we would be put to shame. We would think through how weak we are in our faith, in our prayer life. We are to be always praying for other people. 
So we're going to pause here and just think through the fact that Paul's prayer is to a very specific situation, a, a place that, that has people that he cares about. Do we care about people so much that we pray for them? Because Paul here knows the details of the situation, he knows the people of the situation, and he shows his expression of love for these people in this letter. This is personal. It's between God and Paul, and it's between, God and Phile- it, between Paul and Philemon. So as Paul is praying for Philemon, he's praying to God. He views this relationship between him and Philemon as a gift from God. The people that we are interacting with today in this church and in our daily life are gifts from God. God gives us people so that we can walk with them, so that we can live alongside of them. And I think we take for granted many times these relationships. Think about this. I heard of a fellow who wished to dispose of his home. He called a real estate agent and said, I want to run an ad in the paper to sell my home, to get rid of this place as fast as I can. I'm tired of this old place. Now the agent responded, tell me something about your home so I can run a good ad. And the man told him how many rooms it had. It had carpet. Uh, There were expensive shrubs in the yard, and he told him about the fruit trees in the backyard and the other advantages to the home. He described the house in great detail. And when he finished, the agent said, I'll read it back to you, and you tell me how it sounds. He read the ad about this beautiful three-bedroom home with two baths, a good stand of grass, fruit trees in the backyard, a new roof, central air conditioning, a remodeled carpool, carport for two cars. He kept reading on until the owner exclaims, wait a minute, wait a minute, stop, this house is not for sale. I've been wanting a house like this my entire life, but didn't realize I've had it all along. We need to be thankful for what God's given us especially in this country where we are free to come to this house of God, to worship together as a body of believers, to exhort one another in the word of God. Just owning this book is a crime in many places in this world. And yet we have many of them. We ought to be thankful. Paul was thankful for Philemon. Paul did not... uh, undervalue this relationship. Look at the frequency at which he he prays for him. He prays always, always when I remember you in my prayers. This is at all times and on every occasion. It means both of those things. Whenever I pray for you, and it is often, he is thankful. It is a habit. It is something he has learned to live by. It's the difference between a fad diet or a temporary two-week or or four-week diet and a lifestyle shift, a lifestyle change. It's the difference between a short-term commitment and a long-term commitment. It's the difference between something that is the fruit of a passive, non-committed heart and a heart that is fully committed, that is passionate, that is on fire for the cause. Paul is always in prayer without ceasing as he says in his other epistles. And Paul, let's not miss these little words, remembers Philemon in his prayer. He remembers him. Remembering is something that is hard to do sometimes. 
There's so many things going on in our world that we can become so distracted and we forget the details. The problem is that people's lives are full of details. And we show people love by remembering their details and by remembering what they are going through and how we can help them. Paul calls to mind Philemon and and the prayer here, prayer here has a way of moving our eyes from ourselves onto others. Paul's not considering his own needs. Paul's considering Philemon and the needs of this church. In fact, the whole point here is that Onesimus, who we'll get to in the next sermon, is very useful, very helpful to Paul. And yet, he is sending him back to be reconciled to his home church, to his house, because it is the right and proper thing, not because it is the best thing for Paul. And as Paul has planted these many churches, he's looking back and he's, he's being thankful and praying for these people. In my prayers here is the phrase he uses, the simple concept. But let me ask you a simple question for that simple concept. Do you pray? Do I pray? Praying is more than reciting a phrase. Praying is sweet fellowship with our Creator. It is uninhibited conversation with the God of the universe who loves you more than anything else. And we could do it all day if we want to. We can go to Him boldly because we have a great high priest. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16 tells us about this great high priest. In fact, the whole book of Hebrews is an epistle that tells us that Jesus Christ is supreme. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 through 16, we find that he is our high priest. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. Verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who is in every respect was tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. See, we need to be in prayer always, remembering our brothers and sisters in Christ. This is the pattern for prayer. And now let's see the spark, the beginning point, something that that pushes Paul forward. What is pushing Paul forward to pray? What is the spark? Verse 5 says, because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. I hear of your love and faith. This is the reputation that Philemon and his house has has, uh, cultivated through their life of love and faith. This is agape love. You may be familiar with that term. This is a self-giving, self-sacrificing love. It is distinct from uh, a, a brotherly love or a romantic love. It is the love that Jesus Christ displayed on the cross for us. It is the love that we display when we give our lives for Him in response. Paul uses this word elsewhere in Scripture. In fact, for God, in God's love for us, he uses it in Romans 5, verse 8. Probably know this verse by heart. 
Romans 5, verse 8, but God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He showed us his love. He put action to his love. One of my favorite verses in my study this week was 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, which was really the heartbeat that, that in my mind Paul is thinking of, or at least uh, having a similar thought here in 2 Corinthians 5.14, for, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. The love of Christ compels Paul. It pushes him forward. It surges him forward to love others, to be this apostle, this loving servant of God who's thinking about these people and praying for these people. In Matthew 22, verse 37 through 40, we are commanded to love. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. The second like is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the law and the prophets. There's a phrase in there I want you to think through. Let me read that first verse for you again, Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. It's the phrase, with all your, with all your, with all your. He says it three times. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. With everything that I have, I give to God in my heart, in my soul, and in my mind. I'm giving it. See the action in that. We are to have this kind of reputation as well of love. This is what Philemon lived like. He also had faith. This is a simple trust, a confidence in God, a reliance upon God. We have to have the same kind of confidence and trust that the God that we serve is still the same God that we read about in the book of Philemon. This is our God. The people here in Colossae would likely have experienced persecution for sharing the gospel. Remember, the church here is young. The church here is new. And it is a, there is conflict between the Roman government, the, Coloss, the, the government in Colossae, and the church. Paul uses this scripture to remind us, to show us a reputation that we ought to emulate. We ought to have this kind of faith. We ought to trust in God. Other uses in scripture include Matthew 21, 21 for this word of faith. And Jesus said to, and Jesus answered them, truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you not only do what, I, what has been done to this fig tree, but even if you were to say to a mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. Telling his disciples that if you have faith, you can move a mountain. That's what faith does. That's the power of faith. Hebrews 11, perhaps the most famous faith chapter in Scripture, the first verse defines faith, Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. I'm believing in something, I'm hoping in something, I have confidence in something, even though I can't see it. 
And I pray that we share in this faith, that we share in this confidence in who God is. Now look with me at the recipients of Philemon's love and faith, and that, of course, is the Lord Jesus and all the saints. The Lord Jesus here is the object of Philemon's faith. He is the substitutionary, substitutionary atonement for our sins. He is the great high priest. He is the one who has been the agent for our salvation. He is the one who has provided our new life in Christ. He is the one who has given us everything that we have. He is the recipient of this. It's important to me to note that this is the first person in the passage that receives this love and and faith. The recipients are first the Lord and then the saints. Think about the first commandments, the first and, and second commandments that we read from Matthew just a few moments ago. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the first commandment is to love God and then to love others. We are to first love the Lord, and that pours out our love for others. That allows us to love others. We can only love others because we love God, because God loves us. Secondly, all the saints. Philemon's love for God moves him to love these saints, to demonstrate his faith in the context of these relationships. We are to cling to the word of God We are to be a testimony of faithfulness toward the fellow saints. We are to disciple and love one another. How do I love the saints? I love the saint by, first off, being a saint, by being saved, and by confessing Scripture, and by using Scripture, and and being the agent for change in that person's life that's next to me. By pointing out sin, but also walking with people in their hard times. This is how I demonstrate love and faith, by showing my confidence in God with people through difficult situations. The pattern for prayer that Paul has has laid out for us has, has led to an understanding of what motivates this prayer and the spark of the prayer in verse 5. And now let's look at the content here. What is Paul's prayer? Verses 6 and 7. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. What is the request here that Paul is making? The request is that Philemon's faith would be effectively shared. The effectiveness of your testimony starts with consistent godly behavior. We ought to have a testimony of sharing our faith, a testimony that when people look at our lives, they see they really believe that. They don't just go to church, they really believe that. Because they're saying no to the things that we're saying yes to, and they're not laughing at the things we're laughing at, and they're not listening to the things we're listening to, and they're not doing what we're doing. They don't sleep in on Sunday. They don't, they don't sleep in uh, and, and not go to church. They are serving other people with their time. They're demonstrating their faith. Paul prayed that Philemon's testimony would clearly be visible. 
I pray that this church and the people in this church's testimony would be clearly visible. And Paul has some reasons listed here in verse 6. He says, in verse 6, And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for Christ Jesus. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. He says, for the full knowledge of every good thing. And where, uh, where is the knowledge of every good thing? Every righteous act, every, every good deed that we do for Christ? It is in us. It is new life that has been given to us through Christ. We do these things because the Holy Spirit now lives inside of us and we walk in, the, in obedience in the good works that God has called us to walk in, and the full knowledge of these things should be shared with others. Should be seen by others. It starts inside of us, and it works itself out. It is for the sake of Christ. So the name of Christ would be magnified. The name of Christ would be made famous, would be made large in our lives. The purpose is here is for the kingdom of God, to see souls saved, to see souls sanctified, and ultimately glorified. So I pray with Paul, for Philemon, and for you, that every one of you would show good works to the world, not to show your salvation through your good works, but that people would see that you're doing good work because you love God, because you are in Christ, for the sake of Christ. It is also for the fruitfulness of Philemon's love. These close relationships here are in the gospel. Notice a couple times in this text, he actually says, my brother is close. The truths of the gospel unite us with purpose, unite us to the gospel, unite us to the same place, even though we come from different backgrounds, different occupations, we come from different kinds of families. These relationships are bonded through the gospel. And Paul here, in one of my favorite phrases here, says, has derived much joy from Philemon's love. One of the things that my wife and I intend to do with our home is to make it a hospitality haven. In fact, in fact that's the name of our Wi-Fi. We want people to come and be refreshed. We want people to come and enjoy fellowship they want them to walk away deriving much joy from being around us. Being around someone who gives you life and gives you joy, it puts a pep in your step, it makes you just joyful and happy, it, it gives you a different attitude on life. Whereas if you're with someone who just drains you, who's always asking for something, who's always nagging, who's always just trying to get something out of you. It's very different. Paul here is looking back on his relationship with Philemon, with his household, with his church, and he's, he's looking at good times. Times where they were in close fellowship with each other, in sweet fellowship with each other, and it was sincerely good because it was around the Word of God, because it was a relationship 
that was not centered on either one of them. It was centered on Christ. Much like when a marriage is founded and formed, it is not for either the the husband or for the, the wife. It is for God. Paul has derived much joy from Philemon's love. And Paul's heart leaps at the knowledge of his friend's love for God and for the saints. He's not just happy to know Philemon, he's happy to look at what Philemon is doing. When people look at your life, when your friends look at your life, are they, they thinking, man, I want to be like my friend. Like they're just on fire for the Lord, they love me, they love people around them. And people that are giving people, that are loving people, they don't tend to be sad. Generosity gives people an attitude of joy. It is better to give than to receive. Absolutely. Paul has received love from Philemon, and Paul has witnessed Philemon give love to others. He has demonstrated this in the life of his church. Paul has derived also much comfort from Philemon's love. Which begs the question, why would he need comfort? Well, Paul was persecuted for most of his ministry, and the early church struggled with persecution. And I believe that this comfort could have come in the form of many different experiences. And as you look at your life, there are times perhaps not when you're in in prison or shipwrecked or like Paul was, but when you look back on your life, there are times when the gospel lifestyle has inconvenienced you. Or maybe it's harder to do the godly thing. And a Christian brother may have come alongside you and given you comfort. Or maybe you have lost someone. Maybe you have gone through a difficult time by a, a personal struggle, and someone has come alongside you and comforted you. Notice, there's the, notice that there are highs and lows in this relationship. That Philemon was with him and is demonstrating the character of Christ in joy and also in comfort. He is consoling the weak, uplifting the downhearted. Paul has been on the receiving end of this ministry. And the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through him. What a prayer. I pray that the hearts of the saints, that the people around me, the people around you would be refreshed because you are there. Because they know of your genuine care and concern for them. This man is a blessing to people around him, to the deepest parts of people. In Philemon's conversations, actions, and heart, all of this was for the encouragement of the people of the Lord. So Paul has established here that that we must have a pattern for prayer and that the spark of our prayer should be the people around us. We should see the needs of the people around us and the, the, the good things and the good character of the people around us, and that should spark us on to pray. And we have seen the content of Paul's prayer for the fruitful, effective ministry of the gospel. And as we look at application, we need to think through what I mentioned at the beginning that this prayer is not just for your neighbor. It's not. I can't just say, 
I hope that your gospel ministry is so effective. I hope that you are, are so fruitful in your ministry. I hope that you're evangelizing. I hope that you're talking to your coworkers. I hope that you're reading your Bible and that the, the Word of God is just spilling over in your mindset and your attitude and everything you say. I can't just say those things about the people around me. I have to look at my heart and think, why do, should this person believe me? Why? If I look at my life, am I living this kind of lifestyle? Revival, evangelism, and discipleship starts right here. I can't blame someone else. I can't point fingers. Do you have an established pattern of prayer in your own life? Does the, love and f- does the love and the faith of your fellow believers provide the spark that you need to pray? When you look at your brothers and sisters in Christ, do you think, I should pray for them because I love them because they're my family member in Christ? Does that happen? When we witness this kind brother and sister in Christ, we ought to be moved to prayer for them, for the spiritual health of them and for this church as a whole. And do you pray for the effectiveness of your brother and sister's testimony? This is a really interesting letter because usually in Scripture we find it's a, it's a very personal, internal, you should do this. You should pray for yourself that you would have an effective testimony or you praying to God that you would have an effective testimony. This is praying for your brother. This is selfless. Today, you and I need to reaffirm our commitments to prayer for the family of God. We need to be working to be fruitful witnesses of the gospel. And you may be thinking, what about Onesimus here? We've, thought, we've gone through the book of Philemon, the first seven verses, and I haven't heard anything about this guy it's supposed to be about. Rest assured that we will get to Onesimus next week. But what Paul is doing here is, is as, we, as we close, he's building a foundation. He started it in, in the introduction by telling us who he is, what he's trying to communicate through Christ, and now he's establishing that this is the relationship that he has with, with Philemon. It's based on this relationship, based on this prayerful, purposeful relationship that he makes a request on the behalf of Onesimus. And we're going to see next week that the new identity that Onesimus has in Christ is one of a changed man, much like Philemon's life was changed once and Paul's life was changed once and your life was changed once if you're a believer. And if you have not had this change of life where you have placed your trust and your confidence in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you, when you said that, I'm a sinner, I need this God, and you confess your sins before God and say, I can't do this. God, take my life, and I will live it for you. Please, talk to me. Talk to your deacon. Talk to the leaders of this church. Talk to the person who brought you. Because 
one thing you're going to notice about this book as we continue is that the gospel here radically changes people's lives. It changes the life of a slave. It changes the life of Paul, as you look in the book of Acts. It changed the life of Philemon. And Paul here can only pray this prayer about a faithful man in Philemon only because God has done it. God has done all of this. Let's thank the Lord for everything he has done for us. And let's look forward to what Paul is going to give us next week. God, we are so grateful, so thankful, just as Paul was thankful for Philemon. We're thankful that you work in in amazing ways to move us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. You can make us children of God if we just trust you, if just confess you, confess your name. I pray as a church that we would have a testimony of love and of faith and that we would share the gospel every time we get the opportunity. In your son's name we pray this. Amen.